Sundance 2019 had so many incredible films, but The Last Black Man in San Francisco might be my top pick. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I definitely think we struck gold this year. And Joe Talbot is an exquisite filmmaker, first time or not. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. And, you know, he directed, co-wrote, and even composed the soundtrack for this, his debut film. Wow, one-man band. Okay. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and honestly, what a beautiful tribute to San Francisco. She's Kaylee. I'm Tuesday. And you're partaking of whiskey and popcorn. The Last Black Man in San Francisco is a semi-autobiographical film that uses humor to shed light on big social issues like gentrification, segregation, and stereotypes. We meet Jimmy Fales, a black man who lovingly cares for an aging Victorian home in one of San Francisco's premier neighborhoods. Uh, And this is the house that he grew up in, and family legend says his grandfather built the house. Each week, Jimmy and his best friend... Okay, seemingly only friend. Every week, go to tend to this house. And, okay, well, Jimmy maintains it. He pulls the weeds, he paints it, anything like that. Montgomery is really an artist and playwright, so he more sits across the street and sketches the homes and people he sees while keeping a lookout. Right, and Montgomery, of course, is that best and only friend that he has. Meanwhile, while Jimmy is taking care of the house, the homeowners, the current homeowners, are forced to move out. And so Jimmy sees this as an opportunity to move in and essentially squat. All the while, he begins to lovingly restore and care for the interior of this childhood home. But the fun doesn't last. This film is just so capricious. It's so playful and incredibly insightful. The thing that really stuck out to me about this film is that it had almost a very theatrical feel to it. We had our leads, Jimmy Fails, who plays a fictionalized version of himself, so Jimmy Fails as Jimmy Fails, and Montgomery, played by Jonathan Majors. They guide us through the drama. There are leads, and, you know, as it unfolds in San Francisco... There's this whole idea of the loss of the original residents in the city and the overpopulation of the rich, usually white uh, liberals who, despite being left-leaning, they still have their biases against people who look different than them. And this is contrasted with the slummy ghettos outside the city where most of the people of color are forced to live these days. And we get to see the neighborhood gang mocking Jimmy and Montgomery for not fitting in with, quote unquote, their culture, the black culture, the, the West Coast Bay culture. And going back to that whole idea of this being very theatrical, it almost ran like a Greek play in my mind, because you have your main characters and then you have this chorus, like the gang or even any of the other just kind of characters that swirl around the outside of Jimmy and Montgomery's storytelling and this sort of almost call and response. Not that it's musical in any way, but the the beats are such that it feels like a call and response between the characters and the the side characters. It's just this very intentional way of storytelling. I loved it. Yes, I love how you're describing it because that 
that's absolutely the feel of, feel of the movie. You know, the cinematography and wide action shots gave me that theatrical feel. And on the same plane, it also felt so authentic. It was a love letter to San Francisco. You know, some some shots are comical, some are serious, some are even almost tearful. And it hits that biographical deep feeling, but with the comical urges of a Greek play. Sure. You know, I, I liked how... It, this was tragedy at its funniest, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. Because, yeah. uh, again, everybody, the, the the natives, and this has been a, a story of San Francisco, I think, kind of since its birth. And the the director, Joe Talbot, as well as Jimmy Fails in the Q&A, kind of talked about this, that every generation of San Francisco is always lamenting that the San Francisco of yesteryear is better than the current San Francisco. And there's always a sense of loss that we're losing something. The new people come in. And right now it's currently that uh, the natives of the city can't afford to live in the city they grew up in. Uh, Everybody's getting pushed out. And, you know, instead of taking this really kind of dark look at it, I like how they use the humor to play with it. Because they they show the funny scenes where it's just like the naked guy hanging out at the bus stop. And then this bus full of rowdy tourists on some sort of drunk tour are like screaming and yelling, blah, 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 you know, like that. And and the naked man's like, can you believe that? <laughs> God, those stupid tourists. And yeah. And Jimmy's like, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it's just moments like that are that are so San Francisco, but also just kind of put this whole thing into like a really funny perspective. Well, I mean, there's noticeable concepts throughout the film about gentrification and racial divide. I mean, really from the title of the movie to the contradictions between his home in the ghetto and this beautiful skyline of San Francisco, it's obvious that we will have a day where minorities and individuals of lower SES will be priced out of major metropolitan communities. And these are the communities that they originally formed through immigration, through their arts and their culture, and growing that culture in in what was a small area becomes, as gentrification happens, becomes this amazing, beautiful arts world, and then the artists get pushed out. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's literally happening here in downtown Phoenix. Roosevelt Row used to be a place where you locked your doors when you drove down it. Now we have First Friday, which is a huge art walk, and police are on every corner, and they close the streets. And, you know, it... And now all of the artists are being pushed to Grand, which is now a place that you lock your doors when you drive down Grand. And it it just, it happens. It doesn't matter what town we're talking about, whether it's the Bay or New York or even Phoenix. I mean, it's happening. And I know, I understand. You know me. I get with my underlying allegories and symbolisms in movies. But I mean, this one was so obvious. And I I think, you know, this is an instance where film is being used to tell these stories, but at its best. It's not browbeating us over the head. I felt really, you know, attached. I, I may not be a, a native of San Francisco. I, I barely could call myself a native of California, maybe by descent. <laughs> I grew up here in Arizona. All my family's in California. But, um, you know, to be able to see these stories in this light... It just really struck a chord with me as well, 
because I just went to San Francisco a few months ago and it's so changed from how I saw it when I was last there, you know, mm-hmm. 10 years ago. And I was just like, wow, just even within a decade, not even a generation, a decade, it changes so much. And going back to the theatrical side, you know, we also get this play within a play concept where Montgomery, who who is an artist, he draws, he's a playwright, um, he puts on a play in the house that kind of ta- tackles the whole idea of migrants and minorities being moved out and being mislabeled and, uh, you know, society having to deal with, you know, how they're treating other people. I just thought it was really interesting. Again, that's very Greek play, almost very Shakespearean in that Mm -hmm. way. It's a very sophisticated story uh, that just ran so tightly. I loved it. I just, I love every aspect of this. I, you know, I really enjoyed the unpredictability of the show it really showed its originality uh i i didn't know where the film was going to take us but i thoroughly enjoyed the journey the entire time definitely and i guess if this lends any credence to why you should see this film shia labeouf was in our audience uh screening the film along with us and he said it was the best film he saw at sundance this year so i mean if you don't trust us maybe you could trust him (laughs) Because he made it very apparent. So, yeah, he did a standing ovation for it, and so did most of the theater. So this was brilliant from beginning to end. Even if you had the sound off, it's beautiful. It's just pretty to look at. You're right. Absolutely. Well, we got to wrap this one up, uh, and it's time to pour some drinks. About time. (laughs) Tuesday, what are you drinking? All right. Well, I have a brewery based in California. It is called Moylan's Brewing. So I'm going to have a Moylan's Ryan O'Sullivan's Imperial Stout. This is to pay homage to those who have traveled before us. Uh, Imperial stouts were originally brewed to withstand the long voyage from London to Russia. Oh, I did not know that at all. Yeah. So the stout is, this particular one is rich, thick, and intense. The way I like it. Absolutely. (laughs) That's what she said. Just like how we like our films. (laughs) Well, for me, um, I'm going with something that maybe on the surface doesn't sound very San Franciscan, unless you are from San Francisco and you know. I'm going with an Irish coffee from Buena Vista. Legend has it that the first Irish coffee to be made in the U.S., or at least on the West Coast, was made there at Buena Vista. And there is something just super delicious about their Irish coffees. I don't know what it is, what whiskey they're using, what cream they're using, but it's just, like, perfect. Uh, And the story goes is that the original... I guess, founders of Buena Vista Cafe. One of them went over to Ireland to figure out how to make the Irish coffee because there's a trick to getting the cream to float on top and not sink to the bottom of the drink. Uh, So he learned that technique and brought it back to the United States. And people like me sing his praises every day. Plus, when do we ever turn down an Irish coffee? Never. Never. You could be 110 and I still want an Irish coffee. (laughs) Yeah, because you're a human. Of course. 
So don't be the last one to subscribe. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And feel free to squat on our website at whiskeyandpopcorn.org. You can also squat and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're at Whiskey and Popcorn. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you guys at the movies. <laughs>